shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Oh, somebody praise him for that. These signs shall follow them that believe in his name. Do we got any believers in the house of God here today? One of the first things he mentioned, they that believe in my name, they shall speak with new tongues. And in our to-be-continued series, we talked about baptism last. I'm going to talk for a few moments on this subject, speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. Would you set your, down your Bibles and let's pray. Come on, all across the building. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, God. We love you, God. We thank you for an opportunity to come into your house, to feel your presence, to feel your power, God. We worship you and we glorify you. God, help us to take this teaching, to apply it, God, to metabolize it, Lord, but also to then take it to the whole world in Jesus' name. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord and let's praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him it's good to see you, and you may be seated in the house of God. Amen. A few announcements and addendum. Uh, there is a sign-up sheet in the back for the VBS. For anybody that can uh, sign up to help in different areas, that would be much appreciated. And then also, don't forget, as it was mentioned already, we have outreach at 11 o'clock. We're going to go out and reach some kids for Jesus. And if we got to use some powdered donuts, if we got to use some candy, we're going to do it. Amen? Last time we went out and did a, uh, a blitz like this, we had 15 new kids on the bus. So outreach works. Amen? And then also, I'm going to put a plug out there um, in preparation for our revival uh, with Brother Brendan Claiborne from Rialto, California. Uh, we're asking anybody who can, if you can do both days or one day, we're going to, we're going to take uh, Tuesday and Wednesday out, and we're just going to have prayer and fasting. Uh, if you can just set aside an hour of your day, find it, and you can come to the church, you can go to your uh, prayer room at your house, whatever you got to do, but just find a time to pray and uh, just push away the plate, push away social media, whatever you got to push away, um, do that, amen, and let's have revival, and everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Now let me just say this. If you don't pray and you're fasting, you're just, you're just not eating that day. Hallelujah. It's prayer and fasting. So make sure you take time to pray in Jesus' name. Speaking in tongues. Um, you know, first thing that came to my mind when, when, when wanting to teach and to talk about this in a very systematic way is to look through the Bible. And we find every doctrine right there in Genesis that we're going to need. And it will find its way, if it's truly a doctrine, it will find its way from Genesis to Revelations. And the one thing I noticed is, is a very unique thing about God that is unlike other gods that are worshipped around our world and other things that are bowed to, statues, so on and so forth. Um, and it's the fact that we find in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 3 that God speaks. God is verbal. And I think that 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 can be taken for granted if we're not careful because uh, there are a lot of people that will pray to a statue this week. In fact, there's many that are going to put their, their rug on the ground and they're going to face Mecca or they're going to face a certain area. They're going to face the east. And they're going to do this not just one time, not just two times, 
sometimes three and four and five and six and seven times. They will, they will get down and they will begin to call out and they will begin to pray to a God that will not answer them. A God that they have, they have not known to speak. There are people that will bow to statues that will put fruit and, and money and different things at these molten statues and they will try their best to worship and to talk to these, these items that will not move that do not see them, and that will not speak to them. But we are blessed to be in the church of the living God. We are blessed because we have a God that has hands that can reach down to our lowest point. We have a God that has ears that can hear every cry and every prayer. We have a God that sees us where we are even when we are so far away from him. But we have a God that will speak into our lives. Oh, somebody worship him. If you're thankful for a God that speaks. Genesis 1 and 3, the Bible says God spoke. God was verbal. God has language. The Bible, that, the verse that was read here today, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word, that, that spoken Word that came forth across the waters, that said, let there be light, that was the Almighty God voicing creation in the midst of absolute void and nothingness. Can I help somebody? When God speaks in your life, he doesn't need anything else to work with. It can be void. It can be purposeless. But when God speaks, when God's word comes forth, it begins to create. Things begin to manifest. Well, I'm sick in my body, and I don't know how I'm going to be healed. Let God speak a word of healing over your life. God said, let there be light. Guess what? There was light. There was no argument in place because when God's word comes forth, it happens. So God said, let there be light. We learned about God. God is verbal. Language is important to God. In fact, when God spoke to Moses on the mountain, he said, in these words which I command this day should be in your heart. He began to talk to Moses and tell the people this. And he told him, I'm going to write this on a table, and I'm going to do this, and Moses breaks it. And, and God cared so much about his words that he said, you come back up, back up this mountain and you write it down again. And you make sure that this word that I've spoken to you, whether it was just the ten tablet or the tablets of stone of commandment, or whether it was everything he saw when God passed by him in the cleft of the rock, he wanted Moses to write it down because God cares about his language. God cares about his words being recorded. God is verbal. The next thing we learn as we go through Genesis is that not only is God verbal, but Genesis 2 and 20 says, And Adam gave names all of the creation and all of the birds and all of the beasts and all of this. God created man in his image and his likeness. And if God had a voice, he wanted mankind to have a voice. So God made sure man was verbal. For those that say you come to church and you should just be quiet. Uh, hey, man, let me just help you. God created you to have a voice. Amen. God created you to have a voice. God created you to have a sound. And, 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 and there, is, there is nothing worse than an individual that God has put a voice there. God has put a sound, and they hold it back. Jesus said it this way, even the rocks will cry out. Even the inanimate objects that God never gave a voice to, if mankind holds back what God has given them, he will allow the rocks to get a voice. So we learn God has a voice. Mankind has a voice. But then Genesis 3 and 1. The Bible says the serpent asked the woman, has God said? Let me tell you just for a moment, the devil has a voice too. And i got to take a moment and just talk about this for just a second. 
that you've got to be careful what voice you listen to. We've, amen. We've got to be people that listen to the word of God, listen to the voice of God and not the voice of the enemy. That puts questions where God put a period and God made a statement and starts twisting. When God said it, that settles it. Whether anybody believes it or not, God's word is forever settled in heaven. Amen. Paul would put it this way, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. It doesn't matter if the devil says it, an angel says it, or somebody else rises up and says it. If it disagrees with the word of God, you throw it to the side and you let it be cursed. Amen. So God is verbal, man is verbal, and the devil is verbal. And so we see that this is something that is a theme throughout the rest of the Bible. That language is important. Verbalness is important. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. The Tower of Babel is, we know it. You see that it's after the flood. The world, the Bible says, had one language and one speech. That means that, that even after God judged the world and flooded the earth, everybody still had one language. Everybody still had one way of talking. Everybody had one speech. But you notice something that, that, that goes through the rest of the Bible, even as you see God and his people and his people working together or not working together. You find that they misuse their language to try to build their own salvation. God has no problem with people using their voice. God has a problem with misusing the voice. Amen. God has a problem with people that misuse their language. The Bible lets us know that these people... We're trying to build a tower to heaven. They were unified for one purpose. We're going to get, they were thinking, they're thinking of what happened about the flood, that God brought a flood on the earth. And God even said, I'll never flood the earth again. But yet these people thought, if there's ever a flood, we need a tower high enough that when that water comes forth again, we'll never drown. They were saying, we will find our own way to heaven. We will find our own way to salvation. Let me just stop right here and tell you, that's how the world thinks i got to find my own way to heaven. You do your thing. You follow. They'll say it this way. You follow your own truth. Let me just tell you, there isn't a personal truth. There is one truth. And God's word is truth. Amen. But they, they said, we're going to build our own way, find our own way into heaven. And what did God do? The Bible says God confounded their language so they could not save themselves. You see, that's a theme from Genesis all the way, that God sometimes has to impede our attempts to save ourselves so that he can come forth and show us that your salvation didn't come through you. Nobody's salvation is going to come through them. It's got to come through him. In, in other words, Adam and Eve, you sinned, you failed. I will cover you, I will forgive you, and I will set the plan in motion to save you on Calvary. But let me put an angel here that stops you from tasting of the tree of life because you'll stay permanent in this condition, and I don't want you staying permanent in this condition. Amen. You want to build a tower to heaven to try to save yourself. I know it's not even possible, but let me confound your language so you can't save yourself. And so we see that God does something with language here. God breaks the language apart. But you notice that God has a recognition that 
language is being connected to salvation. They are, because they are unified through their language, because they are connected through their language, they think in their head, we can build our own salvation. We can make our own salvation. This is a typology of New Testament salvation, but it's being shown in the opposite. We see that there's a shadow of good things that come, but we see it through the bad things that came. Death, the fall of man into sin, or the corruption of the earth continually right before the flood. Then God brings a burial. There is a flood upon the earth. And then there is a changing of the language. There is a resurrection of mankind. There is a nation that nations that are being created, if you will, through God's action and God's way. And you find that God is going to use this. He's going to use blood, water, spirit. He's going to use death, burial, and resurrection. He is going to allow things to be repented. He's going to allow people to be baptized. And then he's going to fill them with his spirit. It's going to be an act of the spirit, if you will. And there's going to be a changing of language. John chapter 3 and verse 3, if you want to turn there. So now language is important to God. And God recognized, and let me just say this for a moment, that, that people, people are connected by language. Language is one of the first things that creates culture. And, and, and this is why God, this is one of the reasons, in my opinion, God chose speaking in tongues to be the sign of receiving the Holy Ghost. God was creating a whole new culture. That there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, because we've all been made to drink in one spirit. And so God chose speaking in tongues. What God was doing is he's creating a kingdom culture. And, and, and people, as you see in Genesis chapter 11, they unite, they unite based on language. They unite based on speech. Uh, and, and you can always tell when, when, when people are uniting what they're talking about. Let me just help somebody for just one moment. If people are gathering together uh, for, for any other reason than to have a prayer meeting and to get a hold of God, and they're, they're trying to talk about this they don't like and that don't like, it, there's always Pilots and Herods that get together. They hated each other before, but now that they have a common ground of hatred, they'll come together and their language will start being the same. Amen. It always lets me know when people are not praying through the Holy Ghost. Because when you pray through the Holy Ghost, you love your brother. You love your sister. You want... You want to be united with them. When God confounded the language, all of a sudden everybody had a problem with the other person. They just started dispersing. They couldn't understand one another. Amen. When the church stops speaking in tongues or praying in the Holy Ghost, there will be division. Hallelujah. We've got to be people that pray in the Holy Ghost. I said we got to be people that pray in the Holy Ghost where we realize we have common culture. We have common ground. We have common goals. We want to see revival. Lift up your hands and let's pray for just one moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So God breaks apart the language, and you see this much like you will later in the book of Exodus. You'll see that God does very similar. Uh, there's 3,000 that die on the day of Pentecost, but now you find in the New Testament there's 3,000 that are born again on the day of Pentecost. So there's typology happening here. There is a dispersing of people into every nation, every language, every tongue, every kindred right here in Genesis 11. But as we get to Acts chapter 2, there's a uni unification of every language, every tribe, every tongue. It was God that causes the dispersing, but it is God that causes the gathering together of people. John chapter 3 and verse number 3. 
Jesus answered, he's speaking to a man by the name of Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews that came to him by night and said, Master, what must I, you know, he said, he said, uh, we, we know that you're a teacher come from God because no man does the miracles that thou do except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, I, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, or of a truth, of a truth, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Because that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Not maybe, not kind of, you must be born again. Take that to your friends, your family, your neighbors, the Baptists, the Methodists, the Mormon. Everybody's got to be born again of water and of spirit. Uh, let me just stop right there. We already talked about it, but I want this to always be reiterated. Being born of the water is being baptized in Jesus' name. If you've not been born of the water, if we've never dunked you in that tank and put the name of Jesus over your life, uh, you've got to be born again of water and of spirit. You can't, don't be shocked by it. He said, don't worry. He said, I know you're a ruler of the Jews. Don't marvel about this. You must be born again. But I love this verse. This is what he starts talking about when he starts talking about being born of the Spirit. The wind bloweth where it listeth. That's an old, old, old English way of saying the bl wind blows where it wants. You hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So is a couple people, just those that have the gift just those that are anointed, just those that are rich and blessed. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. What is he saying there? The wind blows where it wants. How do you know the wind's moving? You hear the sound thereof. You don't know where it's coming or where it's going. So is everybody that's born of the Spirit. What is he saying? Everybody that's born of the Spirit's going to make a sound. Amen. Let me just tell you, if you've not spoken other tongues, you have not yet been born of the Spirit. But I got good news for you here today. You can be born of the Spirit. So Nicodemus shows up and immediately starts questioning who Jesus is. Jesus ignores him and begins to talk to him about his purpose, or, or really starts talking to him about not who he is, but what he's come to do. And tells Nicodemus, I'm not even going to talk to you about who I am. I'm going to talk to you about what you need to do. And he starts talking to him about being saved and about being born again. You see that this is the action of God. God calls, people repent, and they receive the Holy Ghost. God is calling out to somebody. They are responding in repentance. They are responding in baptism and getting their sins washed away. And it is God that fills them with the Holy Ghost. And he says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. i gotta, I got to help somebody here today. If you've never been born again of water and spirit, you are missing the greatest gift given to man. He's telling Nicodemus, I know you're a ruler. I know you're a real smart guy. But if you aren't born again, you won't understand what I'm saying. But let me tell you the more serious thing. If you don't understand, you won't even enter. If you've never been born of the water and spirit, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. For those that would say, well, I just accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. That is nowhere in the Bible. 
Let me say it again. That is nowhere in the Bible. That's a prayer that came around in the 50s by Billy Graham. And I would rather trust in what Jesus just told me than some preacher from the 50s. And everybody said amen. But I want to focus in on this. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The wind blows where it wants. You hear the sound there, but you can't tell where it's coming, where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Jesus is letting us know everyone that's born of the Spirit is going to make a sound. Well, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and help somebody and, 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 and help them uh, because there's some that would say, well, what about 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14? Uh, you know, what about my Baptist preacher that told me that tongues are going to cease? What about uh, the fact that I was taught all my life that speaking in tongues is of the devil? I, I want to help you here today because there are people that would cherry pick one verse in the Bible and they'll take it out of context and see, say, and they'll say, yeah, see, look right there. Uh, one day tongues are going to cease. But you might remember that's in the love chapter. That's when he's saying that, 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 that I could give my body to be burned, but if I don't have love, it means nothing. He's saying that, that there will come a day where, where even tongues could cease and not help and not do anything. And if I don't have love, what remains? And he's going down this whole list of everything. Let me just help somebody. Tongues are going to cease one day. Because he says that we, for right now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face, for now we know in part, but then shall we be known even as also we are known. What he's saying is, right now we are praying in the Spirit, groanings which cannot be uttered, Romans chapter 8. We are, we are talking to God in the Spirit. We are getting a hold of God. And, and there's going to come a day where we no longer have to go through that veil. We no longer have to go through that darkened glass, that shadowed uh, a shadowed way, that, that, that tinted window, if you will. There's going to come a day where I don't need to worry about speaking in tongues. Why? Because I'm going to see him face to face. I'm going to see him face to face. There's many that have been taught all sorts of things, and, and they've been told all their life. I, 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 I know what that is. I've dealt with a lot of people like that. My grandma's a good old Baptist lady. Uh, when I went there last time, she said, no longer Baptist. I converted. I'm a Presbyterian now. I said, not for long. You're going to be a Pentecostal grandma. Hallelujah. I told my good old 80 eight-year-old grandma. I said, Grandma, I've told her this since the moment I got the Holy Ghost. I said, Grandma, you need the Holy Ghost. You need to She said, I went to a tent revival one time and they. I, my mom told me that's not right. I said, Grandma, I don't care what your mama told you. Let me tell you what the Bible tells you. Don't be afraid to tell people the gospel. Amen. Speak the truth in love. Don't be rude, but at the same time, don't be afraid to stand. Still. My grandma knows I'm a tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled, one God, Bible-believing, apostolic preacher. And, and, Grandma, if you listen to this, which she may not have the Internet, I don't know, but you need the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But what about what about 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12, 13, and 14? What about the gifts of the Spirit? What about, uh, what about tongue ceasing? What about all of these things? Uh, and I want to just say this and preface this. I'm not here today to get into the difference between the gift of tongues and speaking in tongues as the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost here tonight. Uh, that would take too much time. And when we do go into the gifts of the Spirit, we're going to go in depth and we're going to talk about that. But suffice it to say, Paul is talking to a Holy Ghost-filled church about operating in the gifts of the Spirit in a church service. He's not talking to sinners that have never, have never received the Holy Ghost. He's talking, in fact, he opens up to the Corinthian church. <laughs> He's opening it up to a church that has already been saved, if you will. And he begins to tell them how they should operate in the church service. He is not breaking down or forbidding the experience that they had when they received the Holy Ghost. 
if that were the case, then why would he say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 18, if speaking in tongues was of the devil, why would Paul the apostle say, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all? Well, tongues is of the devil. Well, Paul, we're going to have to rip out the New Testament. Well, I, I don't think that's, well, that, okay, that's just for a few people. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 21 through 22. Again, you start cherry picking one verse and, and people make whole doctrines over stuff. But if you read it in context of what he's talking about, who he's talking to, you'll see that there's a whole lot of good stuff in here. We're not ashamed of one verse in here. In the law, it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak to this people. And yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Now, when we get into the gifts of the Spirit, we're going to go in depth in this, and, and I hope it's a blessing to somebody because there's many that have seen this get tripped up. But let me just point one thing out here. Uh, it, this is an Old Testament prophecy. He said, for with stammering lips and an unknown tongue will I speak to this people. And he was saying, he was prophesying that, that there's going to be people that, that are going to speak in another language. They're going to speak in a heavenly language. Like Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 13, but though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels. He starts talking about that there will, there will come a voice from the church. There will be a voice that's going to speak to his people, speak to the world, and they are going to speak in another language tongue. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall speak with new tongues. But I want to point something out here uh, to hopefully edify the church. And again, when we get into the gifts of the Spirit, we'll go more in depth on this. But I want you to notice that he said, tongues are for a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. I think I've traveled long enough to tell you in the apostolic church we've got a we've got a slight issue and hopefully we can correct it here. I've seen people watch as there is a sinner praying in the altar and instead of praying for him, they've got their ear like this. And they're watching the guy's lips or the lady's lips and they're looking. And what they're really saying is is God with us? Is God with us? Cuz if if somebody's speaking in tongues, God must be with us. But the Bible is letting us know tongues are not a sign for the believer. Mm -hmm. Tongues are not a sign for you and I that have already received the Holy Ghost. We're not questioning whether God's with us based on how many people spoke in tongues that day. Prophecy, preaching, getting a word from God is where we derive whether God was with us or not. That's good preaching right there. Somebody said amen. So we've, we've got to make sure that we understand. Let, let me just tell you right now, you don't have to tell somebody they got the Holy Ghost. You don't got to try to convince somebody they got the Holy Ghost. You don't have to come by and, and, and be the tongue police. Let me help somebody. We don't need tongue police in the church. Did they really get it? Did they really get it? I heard them mumble a few words. Okay, well, uh, there's, we've heard some other people mumble a few words. <laughs> but, but, but let me just tell you right now, nobody needs to be looking and going, is, are, they, are they getting? It's not your sign. You don't need a sign to find out whether God's in the church service. You need to hear a word from God. You need to hear preaching. There needs to be a word from God come forth. Amen. But, but we've got a lot of people that will get wrapped up right here. And, and let me tell you, the best thing we could do for people is not go, did they get it? Are you sure they got it? I, I went down to some places between here and Timbuktu. I won't say where because it's not my favorite place in the world. And they'd say, oh, they didn't really get it. 
Oh, no, that's the counterfeit Holy Ghost. Counterfeit Holy Ghost. They just got done repenting of their sins. You think the devil's going to show up and flip their tongue around? No, 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 no. Let me just help somebody. If you espouse to that doctrine, come see me after service. We'll talk it out. You think God would allow the devil after somebody just got done repenting of their sins. You think God's going to let the devil come in and give them fake tongues? Show me one verse for fake tongues in the Bible and then we'll talk. Okay? When somebody comes repenting of their sins, truly seeking after God, you think God's going to give them a serpent for, for a stone? Or a stone or a serpent instead of bread? No, God's going to fill them. It is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. God said, how much more, if you're being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to them that ask? God is not looking to let people be tricked. God is wanting to fill people with the Holy Ghost by the thousands, by the millions. So we don't need tongue police. If you, if you got that badge, please take it off, burn it in the fire. We don't need that. We need people praying for those that are seeking the Holy Ghost. Praying for people to receive the Holy Ghost and watching people receive the Holy Ghost is definitely in order. But don't be the kind of person that's looking by and saying, well, did they really get it? You leave that between them and God. And, if, and, and let me just say this. Tongues are not your sign. They're the unbeliever's sign. I spoke in tongues not knowing one verse. And let me tell you, it was a sign. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't need anybody to come by and say, did you, did you say a language you didn't? Brother, I knew what happened. I knew that I didn't know what happened. I knew something had changed. I'm telling you, when we have the Holy Ghost flowing through the building, it will shock every new convert, every unbeliever, every atheist, every non-denominational person. When they get the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues, you know what they're going to do? I got the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost. You don't got to try to convince them they got it. You don't got to. And listen, there's a time and place where people go, well, I don't know if I really got it. Well, brother, if you're not certain you got it, let's pray again until you know without a shadow of a doubt you spoke with other tongues. Hallelujah. Tongues are assigned to the unbeliever. It will, I promise, when, when people really get the Holy Ghost, when it hits them hard, when they speak in other tongues, that person will know that did not come from me. It was as the Spirit gave the utterance. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 39. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Let me, let me just say this for a moment. We don't need banshee war cries in the church. That's not of God. There, there is a, there, the Bible says don't forbid to speak with tongues, but as a man is speaking tongues, and, and again, we'll get into this when we get into the gifts of the Spirit, if somebody is giving a tongues and interpretation, if you will, that is, that is something different than, than, than this. But, but if, if you're just praying in the Holy Ghost, he said that's between you and God when you are praying in the Holy Ghost. But, but he said don't forbid anybody to speak with tongues. So if you come to church and you've been told ever in your life, don't speak in tongues in church. You, you, you need to know that in this church you can speak in other tongues. However, let everything be done decently and in order. When we get to the gifts of the Spirit, we'll talk about what that is saying, done decently and in order. But it's, it's not time in the, uh, it, when, when, when somebody is, is preaching a word to just get up and give a banshee war cry. That's not, that's not first off, that's typically not of God. Just going to throw that out there. It's not. Amen. 
It's a distraction is what it is. And so uh, we've got to make sure that if you're praying in the Holy Ghost, man, go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost. We will not forbid anybody to speak with tongues. Uh, but, but make sure you're not doing it to, to be a hindrance to everybody else because you're, or get attention. It's not time to get attention. If the motive is wrong, it doesn't matter what you're doing. The motive is wrong. If, if you're trying to speak in tongues to confuse everybody or confound everybody or try to show yourself more spiritual, that is not the right motive. But if God's getting a hold of you, go ahead. If God speak, if God, if the Holy Ghost is moving through you and, and, and God's moving on you, go ahead. Go ahead. We're an apostolic church, and we will not forbid people to speak with tongues. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. So let's, let's go through this again. I wanted to give a little clarif- clarification uh, right there about speaking in tongues. And Paul spoke in tongues in the New Testament church. You see that he has to talk about speaking in tongues in the church. Uh, so we see that that, that is a future outgrowth. Of, 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 of the church and Holy Ghost filled people but, but let's just go through this for a moment who, who gets the Holy Ghost who can get the Holy Ghost or, or who, who, who has to get the Holy Ghost let me just stop and just quote Jesus uh, marvel not that I send you you have to be born again and he said this so is everyone that's born of the spirit so we, we're going to talk about how speaking in tongues is the sign or the initial sign of receiving the Holy Ghost Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1 And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. Okay, that just mirroring what Jesus just talked about in John chapter 3 verse 8. That there's going to be a sound and it's going to be like a wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Let's talk about who's here in this meeting. Acts chapter 1 goes down and starts listing out all the disciples. It starts going through. It says that Jesus' mother is there. Other believers are there. And the Bible lets us know at the culmination of those verses that there were Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. So we find that there are disciples. There are Jews, devout men. We see that there are women there. Mary, the mother of Jesus, even Jesus' own mother is there. And they're all in the upper room. These are devout Jews. These are men that all knew Hebrew. For those that would say, well, they only did that in Acts chapter 2 because they were trying to communicate with one another. It's not the case. That's not the case. This is not what that was being utilized for because they're all devout Jews. They're not just a Jew that, you know, I just feel like being a Jew today and not tomorrow. These are devout Jews. They all knew Hebrew. They could all communicate, and yet God was providing a sign. It was as the Spirit gave the utterance, and it was such a sign that everybody thought they were drunk. Everybody thought they lost their minds. And they said, whoa, aren't these Galileans, aren't these people, what's going on here? These, these men shouldn't be speaking this way, but yet they're able to through the power of the Holy Ghost. And Peter stood up and said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So he's quoting all the way back to Joel chapter 2, and he's letting them know that this is a fulfillment of prophecy, that the Holy Ghost is going to be poured out on all flesh but we see that it was starting at the Jews so you see that right there in that group there's just Jews devout Jews men women so who can get the Holy Ghost men can get the Holy Ghost women can get the Holy Ghost Jews can get the Holy Ghost okay Acts chapter 8 
So the Jews got the Holy Ghost. If you're Jewish here tonight, you need the Holy Ghost. Born and raised in Jerusalem, you need the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles were, 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 I'm sorry, now the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent of them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them, why? That they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet as he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Again, you, you don't see a disconnection between being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Born of the water and of the Spirit. It goes together. That's how salvation comes. Repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus at the infilling of the Holy Ghost. So he said, for as yet as he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, that they received the, the, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. So there was something that transpired through the laying on of the hands of Peter and John, that, that even Simon the sorcerer, even the witch of the city, said, I want that power. They did something that was noticeable when they got their hands laid on. And we'll talk about the doctor laying on hands later. But let me just tell you that laying hands on people in, in, in Jesus' name is still biblical. It is still biblical. Amen. And, and we got to do it decently in order. Hallelujah. We'll talk about that another time. But... But they laid hands on him. They got the Holy Ghost. And something transpired in that moment that even the sorcerer saw. Something happened where he said there, there was something transpiring. So, so we see that, that, that regardless of what happened, and we'll go through contextually proving that they spoke with other tongues, with other verses. But we see right here something happened when they got the Holy Ghost. They got, there was a sign that was given that even the witch doctor saw it. But what were these people? They were Samaritans. They were half Jew and half pagan. So now we see that the half Jew and the half pagan, they got the Holy Ghost. So if your mother was a Jew and your father was a Greek, guess what? You need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. So something happened, and I'm going to tell you right now, he, they spoke in other tongues. Acts chapter 10 and verse number 44. While Peter yet spake these words, well, when, when, when can I get the Holy Ghost? You, you can get the Holy Ghost. Well, well, you know what? Some people made a doctor and said you only get the Holy Ghost when somebody lays hand on you. I want to tell you that's not in the Bible either. Well, you only get the you only get the Holy Ghost after you're baptized. Guess what? We're about to see a precedent being set right here. You can get the Holy Ghost while you are seated. Acts chapter two. You can get the Holy Ghost if you're standing. You know, some people got all sorts of doctors. You got to be bowing a certain way to get the Holy Ghost. Nope. Nope. You can be seated. You could be sitting down. I could be preaching. Somebody else could be preaching. And guess what? You can get the Holy Ghost. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. Come on. What happened? They received the Holy Ghost. How did they know they received the Holy Ghost? And they of the circumcision, or the Jews, which believed, were astonished, as many as were come with Peter and John. I'm sorry, it came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They know this, mind you, this is 
This has already been a while since the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts chapter 2. They've already seen the Jews get the Holy Ghost. They've seen 3,000 get baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. They've seen miracles, signs, and wonders. We've made our way way past the man at the gate, beautiful. We've made our way past Ananias and Sapphira dying because they didn't do what was right. We've made it way past the, the, the fear of the name of the Lord falling on people. And we've made it past uh, even, even Saul's conversion. Even Saul, who then later told us that he, Paul, that spoke in tongues more than them all and that he had his hands laid on him and, and he got the Holy Ghost and, and now we're sitting here years, maybe even months, years later I, I can't tell you right now but they received the Holy Ghost and everybody knew by this point how people got the Holy Ghost for they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God and what happened after this? then answered Peter can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? Whoa. they got the Holy Ghost we all know got, they got the Holy Ghost they spoke with tongues we know they got it now I got a question. Oh, what do we do about this? Because we've never seen people get the Holy Ghost before they're baptized. Uh, I didn't realize that this was a possibility. Can anybody say, well, I got spirit baptism? Let me talk to my good old Assembly of God friend here here today that says, well, I got the, I got the Holy Ghost. I spoke in other tongues. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But I, I don't believe that you got to be baptized. Let me tell you what Peter said. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which receive the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. For those that say, well, I got the Holy Ghost. I spoke in tongues. I, I remember talking with a, with a, with a, I went to a Trinitarian church when I was 16 years old and I was going to convert the whole church and hallelujah. In fact, hey, hey be praying because I just met a, 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 a pastor in training of a, of a, a non-denominational church. We're going to get together for a Bible study in, in Jesus name local here in town. But I, I believe God's going to convert whole churches. I do. Call me crazy, but whatever. I'm, I'm just believing God's going to convert entire congregations and, 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 and we're going to baptize people by the droves in Jesus' name. But I remember going in and talking with this Trinitarian Assembly of God pastor. And, and I was young and I didn't go about it the right way, but I, I did it what I felt. And so we started talking about the oneness of God and so on and so forth. And his only defense was, I got the Holy Ghost in a barn. I said, whoop-de-doo. <laughs> I got the Holy Ghost in a church. I got the Holy Ghost. We, we got the Holy Ghost. I said, but let me ask you this. Did you get baptized in Jesus' name? No, I got the Holy Ghost. That's all I need. I said, brother, hold on. And I said, flip to Acts chapter 10. I said, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? Amen. I want you to know that, that Peter stood up and commanded them to be baptized, not in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Not, not in the name of Paul or Apollos, not in, the, not in the name of Evan Hood, not in your grandma's last name. He said that they got to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Because when you get the Holy Ghost, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. When you get baptized in Jesus' name, guess what? You need the Holy Ghost. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you'll speak in other tongues. Everybody said amen. Hallelujah. So they knew they received the Holy Ghost because they heard them speak with tongues. Acts chapter 19. So now we see it's the Jews, the half Jew and half Gentile. Now we see Acts chapter 10 is the Gentile. You'll see there's a theme between this and being baptized. <laughs> it's the same groups. It's the same groups. If you need a good way to remember, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. Just a simple way to remember it just by those chapters. And it came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth. Okay, we read about the Corinthian church in 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 in. in, in 
just a minute ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and he talked about forbid not to speak with tongues. I speak in tongues more than you all, that they'll be spoken to. Uh, God's going to speak to this people with another tongue. We already got all of that there. Uh, but now we're seeing that this is where Paul, Paul has come to pass. He's, he's, Apollos was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And when he got there, he found certain disciples. And he said to them, so these are people that are disciples, believers, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Anybody you meet that claims to be a believer of God, this is a great text to take them to. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? To most people, Christianity is nothing more than just dogma. It's doctrine only. It's dead, dry religion. That's all it is. But I want you to know this is not a dead, dry religion. This is an experience as, as well. So when people go, well, uh, you know, I, I'm a disciple, I'm a believer, I go to this church, that church, I'm not embarrassed to tell the Catholic, the Baptist, the Methodist, the non-denominational, I don't care if they're a pastor, an usher, a saint, I don't care if they're an atheist, none of that matters. Everybody needs to be asked this question, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, I don't know a lot about the Bible. I don't know if I can teach a Bible. So I, you just go ahead and ask people and do it in the best way and do it nice, do it polite, and ask them if you're in conversation about their church, about their religion, ask them, have you become a receiver of what you claim to be believing? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And this is where most people really are. And they said to him, we've not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We talked about this last time when we talked about the name of the Lord. And he said to them, well, how were you baptized? If you've never heard of there being a, a, a Holy Ghost, I want to know who your preacher is. I want to know who your pastor is. I want to know what church you go to. I want to know whom you're associated with. Because if they've never told you about the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, you need a new church, you need a new pastor. You need, oh, hallelujah. I'll just say that one more time. If, if you go to a church or if you know some, and they don't tell you about the Holy Ghost, and they've not told you how to be saved, you need a new church. Amen. If they, won't, if they won't open this book and just tell you what it says, you need a new pastor, you need a new church. Amen. And so they said, we don't, we don't even know whether there's even a Holy Ghost. We don't even know what that is. And he said to them, well, how were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. Got it. Then Paul said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized or rebaptized. Well, I was baptized by the Son of the Holy Ghost, or I, I was baptized as a baby in a Catholic church. When they heard that they have to believe on him that is to come, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And he didn't stop there. He didn't just want to change their religion change their dogma, change their doctrine, change their traditions. That's not what he was doing. He wanted a full conversion. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Well, guess what? The Jews got the Holy Ghost. They spoke with tongues. The Samaritans got the Holy Ghost, and even the witch doctor saw something happen, and we can tell that they spoke with tongues. Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles at Cornelius' house, they got the Holy Ghost, and they spake with other tongues. And then you see right here that certain believers, disciples, people that were religious already, they received the Holy Ghost, and they spoke with tongues. And people want to say, well, we don't need that anymore. Let me just tell you, 
this is, is, as you go through the book of Acts, first off, there's no ending to the book of Acts. There is no, this is over, it's done. Uh, let me just help somebody. This was the start of every church that we find in the New Testament. So for those who would say, well, I just got to follow the Roman road. Guess what? He wrote that to the Roman church. And guess what happened to the Roman church? The Roman church repented of their sins, were baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. And how do they know they got the Holy Ghost? They spoke with other tongues. What about Ephesus? We see right here. Paul is here at Ephesus, the Ephesian church. They repented of their sins. They were baptized in Jesus' name. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They spoke with other tongues. What about the Corinthian church? Guess what? Paul wrote letters to the Corinthian church that was baptized in Jesus' name, repented of their sins filled with the Holy Ghost and he told them forbid not to speak with tongues what about the Thessalonian church guess what they repented of their sins they were baptized in Jesus name they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues what about the church at Colossia guess what they repented of their sins they were baptized in Jesus name and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues what about the churches in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3 the seven churches of Asia Minor guess what they repented of their sins they were baptized in Jesus name they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake with tongues as an evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. What about the church right here in Carson City, Nevada? Guess what? You repented of your sins. You were baptized in Jesus' name, and you were filled with the Holy Ghost. And how many in this building, when you know you got the Holy Ghost, you spoke in a language that you didn't know because you spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Stand to your feet, lift up your hands, and magnify Him. Come on. It happened in the book of Acts. It's happened all the way through history. I want you to know it's available for everybody, for the Jew, for the half-Jew, for the Gentile, for the believer that's not a receiver, for the Baptist, for the Methodist, for the Catholic, for the Mormon, for every atheist, for every Muslim, for every Sunni, for every Shia. Everybody can receive the Holy Ghost. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you will speak in other tongues lift up your hands and let's worship him so is everyone that is born of the spirit these signs shall follow them that believe in my name they shall speak with new tongues I'm not ashamed to be a tongue-talking holy rolling apostolic Bible believing one God preacher and no one else should be either I, I, I think and I don't know what caused it. I don't know. But I've encountered one too many people in my travels that is ashamed to have spoken in other tongues. They do it all meek and quiet. And again, I already qualified Banshee War Christ. I'm talking about really speaking in tongues where you are. You are God is moving on you. And I, I've just been to enough places where don't do that. We might offend the visitor. Brother, let me tell you, if the church is not praying through the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, what will the visitor do? If they don't even know it's a possibility. If the church is ashamed of the very thing that saves their soul. What about the sinner? There is no reason, biblical or unbiblical, to be ashamed of of speaking in other tongues. Jude. We're going to turn to the book of Jude for just a moment. Amen.
left it out of my notes. I apologize. Thank you. You already had it. Had it memorized, but finding the text. No, sir. That's all right. Let's just, I'll quote it. But you, beloved, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Second quote, but those, those numbers start slipping away. Hallelujah. Been a while since Bible quizzing, brother. Hallelujah. But, but ye, beloved, whom? Who's the beloved? The church. Building up your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Church language creates unity. And a church that does not pray through the Holy Ghost is lacking unity and faith. But brother, if we can pray through the Holy Ghost, I'll see you as my brother and my sister. We'll come together. We'll be united. But not only that, we will build up our most holy, precious faith. And when we have that holy, precious faith, what do you think is going to happen to every visitor that walks through these doors? Amen. I want everyone in the church to be full of the Holy Ghost because I want you to know that there's a whole world outside these four walls that is looking for what we got. And it's the greatest gift ever given to a mortal, being born of the water and of the Spirit. Lift up your hands and let's pray. I think tonight would be a good time for if, if it's been a while since you prayed through to the Holy Ghost, to you're speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I think right now would be a good opportunity to pray through until you are speaking in other tongues. I'm not talking about making something up. No, until the Holy Ghost flows through you, until the Spirit gives the utterance. I want to open up this altar. Church, let's have a good old Holy Ghost prayer meeting. Come on, I find a place in this altar, at your chair, whatever you got to do, and pray until you are full of the Holy Ghost again. Pray until you are absolutely flowing over. Jesus said it's like rivers of living water flowing out of you. If it's been a while since you've been praying in the Holy Ghost, since you spoke in other tongues, you go ahead and lift up your voice and pray, and the Holy Ghost will fill this room like a rushing mighty wind, and it will sit on everybody. Everybody needs the Holy Ghost. The church needs the Holy Ghost. The world needs the Holy Ghost. The believer and the unbeliever needs the Holy Ghost. Let's pray for just a little while. Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for unifying a people, for making a kingdom of kings and priests that all have one common language speaking in other tongues. We have one common culture speaking in other tongues. We have one experience that is common speaking in other tongues. We've all, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. Let's take a few moments and let's pray in Jesus' name.